Welcome to the SAC Shining Lights SLP Schools podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Archibald from Western University. As you know, many speech language pathologists in Canada are employed in schools. Their job is to support children with communication disabilities in accessing the curriculum and achieving their academic and personal potential. It's a challenging job. So many schools, so many students, and not many SLPs. Across the country, SLPs are finding unique solutions to providing the best possible services to the students and school teams with whom they work. In this podcast, our guests describe their innovations in school-based speech-language pathology. Thanks for listening as we shine a light on some brilliant projects. Welcome to the SAC Shining Lights SLP Schools podcast. I'm so pleased today to be here with Megan Norris and her team. Megan, would you begin by introducing yourself? For sure. Uh, And I'd like to start by acknowledging that we're speaking with you today on the traditional territories of the Ta'an Kwachan Council and Kwanlandan First Nations. In the work that we're doing today, we honor our shared responsibility of working in a good way on these lands. So hello, my name is Megan Norris. I was born and raised on Treaty 6 territory, Fort Saskatchewan, Alberta. I have Dutch, English, and Irish roots. I'm a trained uh, speech-language pathologist and working right now with the First Nations School Board as a literacy coach. Great. And you have some other members of your team, so we can hear from them. Hi, my name is Terry Gordon. I grew up on a farm in southwest Saskatchewan. My family is English and Scottish. I trained as an SLP in North Dakota, and I have worked with families and learners in Arizona, North Carolina, and Northern Saskatchewan. I moved to the Yukon two years ago to support families uh, in communities throughout the Yukon, and now I work as a literacy coach supporting early years in all of the First Nations school board schools. Hi, my name is Angela Gale, and I grew up in Newfoundland in a large chatty family. I've lived in the Yukon for close to 30 years, and I've been an elementary school teacher for close to 20, and mostly all of those have been in primary classrooms from grades one to three, and now I'm a literacy coach with the First Nations School Board. Hello, my name is Lauren Murphy. I am a member of the Gwasala Nekwatsika Nation of Port Hardy, BC. I grew up in British Columbia and moved to the Yukon 20 years ago. Um, and um, more than half of that time I've spent um, as a teacher um, in primary grades, as well as providing support as a learning assistance teacher. And I am now a literacy coach with the First Nations School Board. And hi there, my name's Kayla Abrams. Um, I trained as well as an SLP. Um, I'm originally from Toronto, but I've lived in the North for over 15 years. And in this time, I've been supporting schools across the Northwest Territories in the Yukon in speech and language and literacy. Um, and currently I'm working more directly with literacy as a literacy coach with the First Nation School Board. All right. Well, what what a team here. Do you want to tell us just a little bit more about uh, where that team works, Megan, and where you're set up there? Sure. So we're in the Yukon. The Yukon has 14 First Nations and eight traditional languages. Most communities here are drivable within about five hours, if it's good road conditions. (laughs) And we have one flying community. The First Nations School Board office, which is where we work out of, is located in our most populated community, which is Whitehorse. Our Yukon communities have been asking for a change in education for for decades. There have been multiple reports released in the Yukon that highlight 
low literacy levels and low numeracy levels for our Yukon learners. So in response to the 2009 and 2019 Auditor General's report, which really showed the gaps in education, the Chief's Committee on Education, or the CCOE, they got together to discuss how we can improve learning outcomes for our students. And one of these paths that they discussed is the creation of the First Nations School Board. So we were established in 2022, which gave... Yukon First Nations shared authority over uh, how education is delivered here in the territory. First Nations school board schools follow the BC curriculum, uh, and then programming is tailored to reflect Yukon First Nations worldviews. Our first year, uh, which was 2022-2023, eight schools voted to be part of the school board, and now this year, Fall 2023, we have 11 schools. So two of these schools are in Whitehorse and then nine are in rural communities. And then the other schools here that are not part of the First Nations School Board, they continue to be supported by the Yukon Department of Education. All right. Well, within that context, then, what are some of the major challenges that you observed? Um, Yeah. So as a teacher in the Yukon um, before the role of literacy coach, and also some of us have worked in Yukon classrooms. Um, from this perspective, we've seen a reality um, of unclear direction within literacy. Um, so one teacher may have used a program or a, an approach to teaching literacy that was based in balanced literacy, um, while others may be using a more structured approach. Um, so between classrooms, between schools, there were some inconsistencies in how mm-hmm. students were being taught. Uh, This is Angela. So in the past, some of the other challenges I face have been in the classroom. Other teachers have told me that sounding out words is inefficient, and that's not how kids learn to read. And in the past, I had very little support teaching direct explicit phonics. I've been told I'm only teaching decoding and not teaching kids how to think when they read. Another challenge is change is hard. So some teachers are reluctant to start a new program or new teaching style as well. They may believe that the science of reading is just another program and the pendulum will eventually swing again. And then another challenge um, in the past when I've worked with families as an SLP, caregivers have told me again and again that they didn't know that their children couldn't read as they progressed through the grades. Um, They were told things like their child's at grade level or below grade level, but what that meant in terms of what their child could do or what literacy skills their child needed to grow was never explained to them. So it always came as a surprise um, when they hit grade seven or going into high school and they can't, they're told all of a sudden their child can't read. Um, So it's important to the First Nations School Board to share with caregivers um, where their child's at and then where they need to go. All right. So I think what I'm hearing about there in terms of uh, challenges is, is this noticing about the the literacy approaches. Before we go on from there, could I just um, hear from the speech language pathologists among you about what school-based SLP was looking like around that time? Um, so our supports were... Um... We support the more of the tier three students. We have lots of speech and articulation caseload. Um, what we were finding is that our supports were being more delivered in a tier one. So our as a caseload, it was becoming very overwhelming because we were having lots of students that were were 
likely just needing tier one support that we were getting onto our caseload. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that tier one classroom program wasn't perhaps the strongest or the, or the, you know, as evidence-based as it might uh, need yeah. to be. Mm-hmm. And so we were imp- implementing things that maybe could be done at a school level, some screening, some um, researching and finding programs that would be um, more in a structured literacy-based approach. So we were finding those and we were doing more of that kind of curriculum piece um, to support schools. Mm-hmm. All right. And so uh, what, what, how did you respond to those challenges then? Mm-hmm. So as I mentioned before, UConn First Nations have been asking for better results and, and education for their learners. And there have been many reports uh, published about this, both internal to the UConn, like the Auditor General's reports, and external to the Yukon. Uh, for example, in 2022, the Ontario Human Rights Commission released the Right to Read report. So the culmination of all of this really sparked the creation of and the advocacy for our literacy plan. Uh, when our executive director, Melissa Flynn, and I presented the literacy plan to our board of trustees, it was fortunately a resounding yes. Uh, they they said yes to implementing these changes district-wide. So last year, fall 2022, I started working as a literacy coach with the First Nations School Board and advocating for these changes. The overall response that we received from teachers was that they really appreciated having the support from a literacy coach. However, I'm just one person, and so it it was um, overwhelming at times trying to figure out how I can support all of our eight schools uh, in a good way. So now we're so fortunate to have a team of literacy coaches supporting our schools. Every coach has three to four designated schools that they support, and our team of coaches uh, provide support in several different ways. Could I just ask you a couple more questions about that, Megan, if that's okay. So um, so can we just go back to what you're describing there? You were noticing those concerns about the literacy and you connected with uh, someone, an executive director. Could you? Yes. That? So uh, Melissa Flynn is the First Nations School Board's executive director. And so fall last year, we be- we began to have conversations about, um, you know, the low literacy levels here in the Yukon, um, what, what the current approaches were to literacy. And uh, we started brain- brainstorming ideas on how we could um, make some changes and, and that so, was in your role as a as a school SLP I, at the time. I was working as a speech language pathologist. Yes, at the time. Yeah. Okay. And so you were able to make that connection with the executive director of the the school board. Is that right? Yes. Of the yes. Yeah. 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 And together, then uh, you were you made a presentation to the board of trustees. Yes. So when I was still practicing as a speech language pathologist, we started to have these conversations. And then October of 2022, I then started working as a literacy coach with the First Nations School Board. Uh, Melissa Flynn and I um, got together to talk about, you know, the different components of what our literacy plan could could include. And then we presented that plan to the Board of Trustees. And um, right away, they were all incredibly supportive of making these changes. 
So you made a plan uh, for what the literacy program or approach or teaching approach might be in the school board. Um, and uh, and they said, yes, that's that's what we need yes. to do. Uh-huh. OK. Yes. And uh, and you how did you become the uh, the person that was um, the first literacy coach then? <laughs> well, um when the First Nations School Board um, was first created last year, uh, it was such a small staff for quite a long time. It was um, Melissa and the Board of Trustees, uh, and um, Melissa didn't have an office yet. Uh, she she actually started working uh, within uh, the same office as the Yukon First Nation Education Directorate, which is a, a nonprofit organization here that supports Indigenous families. And that's where I was working as a speech language pathologist. Mm -hmm. And so um, we were able to make that connection there. Right. And uh, I'm I'm really sort of meaning when you decided they were going to ready to jump off and say, yeah, they're going to implement your plan. um, They knew you were the the person to make it happen, I guess, at that point. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. And so (laughs) what did did that look like in that first year? How did you begin Mm -hmm. that process? Mm -hmm. Our First big, one of our first big priorities was collecting data. We really wanted to have a, a solid understanding of where all of our students were at in terms of their literacy skills. So what are our strengths? What are, what do we need to work on? Uh, so that was, that was one of our, our big priorities. Um, I also, spent last year traveling to all of our schools, uh, connecting with teachers and principals and EAs, asking what's working right now, what's not, what resources and programs are you using, uh, and really hearing hearing from our educators what, what the needs are. And we also prioritize training our staff on the science of reading, how our brains learn to read, uh, what is balanced literacy versus structured literacy, um, so that our educators can start to critically look at the resources that they're using and make those educated decisions for themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you this was a change in role for you as a speech language pathologist or as a new role entirely? So you were sort of separate from school boards, school-based SLP work at that time? It's separate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, a- and uh, the school board SLP services still exist. And then this literacy coach is a separate. Am I understanding that right? Yes. Yeah, so the school-based SLPs are um, within the, the Yukon government and they support our school board schools. And then um, the literacy coach is a separate position. That works for the that works directly for the First Nations school. Board. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, okay. So uh, at the end of that year, you were able to achieve not only you know great things uh, with the beginning of that literacy work, but also uh, make a compelling case for growing your team. That right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So how did that all gets going? Well, it's been fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, maybe I'll turn it over to the team here and, and um, they can share all of the ways that we're able to support our schools right now. Sounds good. Um, so this is Kayla again. Um, so as Megan mentioned, at the end of August of 2023, 
Uh, we're now a team of literacy coaches. So there's the four of us plus alongside Megan now. Um, so it means we've been able to provide some, some uh, district-wide training. Um, we've provided some consistent resources and material that align with the science of reading. We've been bringing teachers and paraprofessionals together for large group training. We're trying to remain um, consistent in our messaging to schools. Um, so we have continuous check-ins. We're problem solving together as a team of literacy coaches, just to just to ensure that we're, again, we're sharing that similar messaging to our schools. Because as you've heard, we've there was lots of mixed messaging happening before. Um, as Megan also mentioned, we're, we're, we, there's, we're traveling to three to four schools. Um, we're prioritizing that connection, that communication with our schools, just to ensure that we have, um, th that we're always there for them. Um, that looks like travel to the communities. Um, we have two within Whitehorse, lots of other rural schools across a, a vast distance. We're offering Zoom in between our visit. Um, we've created an online sharing platform using Microsoft Teams so that we can all post videos and share resources, ask questions, um, and share our success stories. Um, we've also doing some specific sport supports, um, and those might look different. They might, we tailor them to the needs and the wants of the school. Um, for example, it might be modeling of screening tools or lessons. And probably most importantly in that is, is showing that it's okay to make mistakes and blunder along a little bit. We've been giving some observations and feedback, listening to questions, um, brainstorming solutions, um, bringing in creating materials, parent handouts, that kind of thing. So we've really just been trying to um, continue that development for them. The bottom line is we want to ensure teachers don't feel alone in the classroom and that they feel supported. So we're all working on building relationships with staff, learners, and communities. I wanted to ask uh, a little bit more about the how the trans you you've got a real transdisciplinary team there, right? And how uh, having educators and speech language pathologists on your team is really helping you to do the work that you're doing. <laughs> yes, it's um, it's a real strength of our team that we uh, we're all coming to the table with such diverse backgrounds, uh, having the the knowledge and the wisdom of classroom teachers and speech language pathologists have, has been a gift. When we get together for team meetings, we all bring something unique to the table and we learn from each other every day. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And so between the, the five of you, do you have a, um, a sort of particular programmatic approach that you're uh, providing uh, materials and manuals and trainings around that the, for implementation in your schools? Yes. So in August, we provided uh, training for all of our kindergarten to grade seven, primarily um, teachers and educational assistants learning assistant teachers, so all of our support staff, as well as principals, um, about um, about the 90-minute literacy block and what that can look like. Uh, within that training, we did provide the resources that we, um, that we were um, talking about in the conference. Uh, we also structured that training around um, the five pillars of literacy and ensuring that um, we we were covering um, how to um, how to support all of those pillars within your 90 minute literacy block. Mm -hmm. Nice. All right. Um, and so 
you've been at this now for uh, a little, uh, a, a few months. And uh, what are you noticing? How is the job? Uh, you know, what's what's are some effective things? How do you uh, support the teachers in the work that they're doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Angela. Uh, I've traveled to two communities and I have a school here in Whitehorse. So I've um, gone to the schools. I've modeled lessons in the classroom so the teachers can observe and learn that way. We have sound walls that we've put up on teachers in their classrooms. And also we've posted videos on a platform called Teams. So teachers are able to go in there and watch the videos of uh, well, I think it's only me that still have <laughs> lessons and post it. So they watch, they can watch those videos. And also we post resources for classroom teachers to use. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that sounds all very exciting. Uh, Terry, are you going to add something else? Well, I was going to add that one of the things that we've been able to do is also get outside of the school when we're in a community. Um, we get, we have the opportunity within this position and within the First Nation School Board to spend time with community members out on the land at culture camps, um, at community feasts or dinners, um, and supporting things like community literacy nights. And so we get to have these really rich conversations about the importance of structured literacy and what that looks like for learners, um, as as well as asking the community members what literacy means to them. Um, So we've had answers such as literacy means um, like reading the land or learning the land. being able to express yourself in a different way Um, and then also things like uh, literacy and language like learning that through song so just lots of different ideas that we can bring back and then we can also share with teachers so it's been really rich in building those community connections as well. Mm -hmm. Um, As well what's exciting is the Yukon Department of Education has recently announced they will follow suit with similar components of their literacy plan for their schools. Mm yeah, that's very exciting. Yeah. Terry, you described, I think, in your title that you're the early years literacy coach. Is that right? So, and and uh, is that different from other roles on the team? Um, just slightly. It means I focus on the kindergarten program, so the four-year-old and five-year-old programs we have in our schools, and it means I'm traveling to all of the schools that have that. Um, so it's a bit more travel involved. Um, and it's focusing on building language, so expressive and receptive language, as well as those pre-literacy skills. So just um, trying to yeah, build, boost up kids' language skills when they come to the school. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, can we hear about how teachers are responding to the support from the team? Some educators here have been advocating for these changes for a long time, and so they're very excited about these changes that that are happening. Um, other teachers are cautious. Um, we have received great feedback about the the coach's position. Um, staff are very appreciative uh, that they have the support from a literacy coach and uh, all of these training opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the ongoing support has been really important um, for the teachers. And that's one thing that they keep repeating is that we're always there so consistently. Um, So they've really enjoyed that piece of it from what we've heard. Mm -hmm. I feel like in the past there might have been trainings or opportunities and then not that ongoing support. So I think having that, there's the training, but then also coming in and and supporting in terms of, um, as Angela mentioned, resources, videos, 
uh, modeling. I think that's been really um, rich for them. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, our kids will learn to read and be able to pick up any book off the shelf, access any information they want to and live the life they choose. So basically, we are empowering our learners to live the lives they want. Yes. Well, that's a lovely slogan. Uh, and what about the administration? How are, is your relationship with you? How are you uh, letting the administration know how it's going and what maybe their need, your needs are? What's your advocacy work sort of in that line? Mm-hmm. It, it's a, a partnership uh, with, with administrators uh, and a, a two-way street. They are, they are the ones that know what's happening on the ground in their schools um, with students and teachers in their classrooms. Uh, and so um, it's, yeah, it's important that we develop um, a good relationship with, with the administrators uh, and make sure that we're, um, we're keeping strong communication. Uh-huh. I would also say um, because the board of trustees um has agreed to this uh, literacy plan um, that it's it's something that is happening. It's not a choice for schools. Um, it's the direction that the First Nations School Board is is going. Um, so that also makes it um, that relationship and that there's like a everybody has the same basis or, or the baseline to start with. So we know and we know the plan of where we need to go. Uh-huh. And we're just trying to get there. Yeah. All right, that's that. That's really great, and I think you know the fact that the the growth has happened in your team is is great evidence that uh, the administrative group must be um, you know, really pleased with the kind of support that you're providing. So, what are some next steps for your team? Family and community is really important to us and to the First Nations School Board. So, we want to continue to bring families along with us on this journey, and we want to. Uh, be able to transparently communicate to caregivers about their um, child's literacy skills because um, that hasn't happened in the past and it's very important to us. Um, yeah, so Lauren here, and and that and that entails moving away from balanced literacy within um, the First Nations School Board schools um, and and talking about skills um, rather than levels, which is often what you hear. Um, when assessments are completed on students reading, um, they're given a level. Um, and so just getting used to that um, language and talking about reading skills rather than a level of where the child is at. Um, and then also for teachers and schools and parents and reporting on that, that will take some time um, to kind of shift our our language and our thinking about it. Mm-hmm. We also hope to expand our team in future years uh, to provide more support for our intermediate and high school teachers. And we hope to partner with communities to create local resources, which is very exciting. Yes, yes. Um, I I think, uh, Terry, you gave a number of examples um, of how you are um, creating connections within your First Nations school board. Are there some other uh, um, ways that you're you're trying to make sure that uh, those connections develop? I think spending time in the communities and um, 
spending a long time in the community. So instead of just popping in for the day, staying for the week um, and just allowing community members to see us outside of the school. So whether we're at the grocery store or at the, I don't know, walking around town and um, seeing the kids out and about, those those connections have been really important. And then continuing to go over and over and over again and reconnect. Mm. I'm just going to add to that and then following up with emails or phone calls or zoom meetings when we're not in the community. So I think the follow-up piece is important. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Angela, can I ask about, you know, so how, um, you know, how often are you in touch uh, with a school, for example? <clears throat> um, well, if I'm, I go, I travel one week a month. So one, uh, one month I'll be in Ross river the following month, I'll have a week in Old Crow. Mm-hmm. And in between, I'm in Whitehorse and supporting the school here. In yeah. yeah. And when I'm not in the communities, I follow up with emails, phone calls, and try and do some posting on our platform where teachers can ask questions, we answer, we post resources, and try and frequent check-ins. Yeah. And so how does that work, Angela? Do you, uh, are you in fact in touch with those teachers uh, in between your visits to the community? Do they forget about you until you come you know, <laughs> a few months later? What, what, what works? Uh, there? Well, I'll send an email, you know, once a week, check in, how's it going? And sometimes I get replies and sometimes I don't, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. And finding this is new to us, um, our role, we're still kind of um, just discovering what it looks like. But I, I found that it hasn't gone more than a couple days, three days that we're not con- in touch with a certain school or community. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, um, yeah, I think different teachers like to communicate in different ways. So something that I've really enjoyed is receiving kind of like a, a snapshot of a student's work and um, a teacher showing kind of that progress or or something that they've tried in their classroom. So collaborating in that way has been nice um, um, over the phone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can really see lots when you can uh, see what the work looks like, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, uh, you're having such an impact on your uh, on literacy uh, development there. Can I just uh, as we're starting to wind up here, can I just ask, you know, what's happening with all the other speech and language needs uh, in the school board? So those are currently supported by the the education department out of Yukon. So those are continuing to be supported through um, through those positions. Right. So those have the look of those, the resourcing of those is not changed. It's not like you've been pulled away from that team to become a literacy coach. It's entirely a different thing. It's entirely a different thing. But the hope being that perhaps our work here will also support their work in terms of um, their caseload and then the the amount of school-based teams are going to. So that our hope is that our our work here will will definitely ease their caseload Mm -hmm. as well. And uh, Kayla, is are there ways in which you um, connect with those groups, those speech language pathologists? We're, we maybe not formally as of yet, but we definitely are. It's a small community and we're a small community of SLPs. So we um, are always reaching out um, together. We're we've we've our advocacy work has been together. Um, so we have been we've been on this journey mm-hmm. as a group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And we, we try to reach out when we're holding training for teachers. And so they're always welcome to, to attend those. Um, the speech language pathologists were able to participate in our August training, uh, and, um, try to send out emails to let them know when, um, when assessments are done and, and results are out so that they know when they're popping into a school, sort of what's going on with literacy. Right. Also travel together. Um, so there's some of us from different organizations as SLPs or as liter- literacy coach and SLP traveling together, so supporting schools that way as well. Oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, and just one more question about those services and the referrals for those services are generated from, like, if a teacher is concerned about a speech and language issue, that referral's going directly to another agency. Yeah, to the Department of Education, Student Support Services, SLPs. Yeah. And you guys would then not be specifically involved in those kinds of referrals. Not specific referrals. Mm -hmm. Right. Interesting. All right. So let's say you have, you know, someone listening to this is inspired to say they want to have an impact like that. What's some advice you might give to to, uh, people about how to grow their impact in this area, how to get things moving in these directions? I think that in the work that we're doing, I feel that relationships are so important. Um, sometimes I find myself, or most, a lot of the times I find myself um, needing to set aside my agenda. Maybe I have a list of things that I wanted to accomplish when I get into a school or a classroom, but really it's about connecting with that person that's in front of you and then reconnecting with them as much as possible. I would say this question is exciting for me. Um, I think taking time to build relationships with everyone in the school um, is really important, including the learners, because sometimes we forget that we're there for the learners. Um, So I, I always make sure to spend time with them in the classroom and then outside during recess, because that's where they really get to know me. And then we can build those connections and then I can help their staff later once I have the learners on my side. I would say um, as a literacy coach, um, supporting teachers by listening and helping to implement the science of reading in classrooms. And for new teachers who may be um, teaching the science of reading to believe in yourself, take a risk and just do it. Yeah, and I, 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 this is Lauren, and I feel um, it's an exciting time to be an educator um, when we think about the science of reading. Um, and as a literacy coach, I like to learn alongside the educators that I'm working with. Um, so really letting them know, um, and I think somebody had said this earlier, that it's normal to make mistakes and fumbling. We're going to fumble through it together. Nothing is perfect at the beginning. So as we implement our literacy plan, um, we'll work through it together. Um, and mine would be not to lose hope um, and to con- continue to be an advocate. Um, as Megan mentioned, we now we have our the best interests of our, our students at heart. Um, so even if the journey feels long or hard, just to keep going on. Well, you do seem like a very um, effective team. What? Uh, and you've only been together for, for a short time, I think. Uh, so, uh, how have you built your own team, uh, you know, and taken care of one another uh, in your work as, uh, you know, as itinerants in many cases, right? And so how do you look after yourselves there? 
we come together weekly. So um, we have weekly meetings um, where we discuss kind of our week ahead and our previous week and reflect on the work that we're doing in schools and communities. Um, and then something else that we do is we take time after we're in a school to debrief and talk about next steps and and how we can collaborate further um, to make a different a difference in that school for teachers and for the students. Mm-hmm. We, we brainstorm ideas together. Um, again, we can come away with so many more ideas when we work together. Um, we have different different backgrounds, so those ideas are very rich. Mm-hmm. So how often are you guys in touch with one another? Angela, you were going to add something first. Go ahead. And then <laughs> uh, We're in touch. Well, we work in the same office. Uh-huh. Even though some days somebody will be traveling to a community or um, another they may be gone for a week. But we're in touch. We have our group chat on our phones. <laughs> Not together in the, um, in the same workspace. Yeah. We in quite a bit right right something that we also do is we make sure that we schedule time in our week to have fun together that's not work related so whether that's grabbing coffee going for a walk Uh, we recently did a hike together Uh, that's really helps um, us all connect yeah definitely being able to connect on the land together um, it has been really helpful and we make that's a priority for our team and our organization so that's just really great that we can schedule that time in to go for hikes together Is it scheduled in your calendar there too? Yeah, you bet. Ah. <laughs> yes. Ask me. <laughs> That's a great top tip. I'm I'm sure. Yeah. Next on the line. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's have our final question then. With you know, what is some of your favorite uh, outside of work activities? <laughs> I think we all agree on this one. It feels in the Yukon, it feels like we live in a painting. Um, so we love to be outside. I love to be outside hiking, biking, skiing, camping. Uh, yeah, same. I love camping, spending time with my family outdoors. Um, we have a boat and we spend a lot of time on the water, fishing and swimming. And it's just, we're so lucky to live here. <laughs> Pretty much the same. <laughs> they to have said we have um probably the best trail system here in Canada I think so I'm out on the trails lots um and I also love to be outside camping cross-country skiing um just exploring we do live in a really beautiful space I will echo that <laughs> I love spending time uh in nature skiing hiking uh, spending time with family and I love flower pressing as well <laughs> That's a nice one. Um, so, um, just you started out at the very beginning with a little side remark, Megan, and you said, well, when the roads are open, I think. So tell me some of the, those challenges with, uh, providing services and, uh, in that context. Road conditions are definitely, um, a challenge, especially as we were now reaching shoulder season, uh, October with roads, uh, thawing and freezing. Um, we, we make sure that we have, um, a fleet of vehicles with first aid kits and winter safety kits to make sure that we are, 
uh, equipped just in case we uh, need to be on the side of the road in the middle of winter. Uh, we also have uh, in-reaches that uh, we bring and uh, a check-in system. So before we leave uh, for um, a community, we text the group to say that we're leaving. And then we we text the group again when we've arrived to make sure that we're all um, checking in and making making sure that we're safe on the road. Yeah. Right. I think the travel to the community is one of the reasons we're all here. I'm going to speak for all of us. Um, being able, it is can be hard in the winter when there's not much sunlight um, and the conditions are really bad, but that's why we're doing the work we're doing is so we can be with the communities in the communities. Um, mm-hmm. Well, that's really lovely. Thank you all very much for, for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to the SAC Shining Lights SLP Schools podcast. You can find all podcasts, transcripts, and links to the episode resources on the SAC website. That's at sac-oac.ca. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or you'd like to suggest a guest, please email the host, Lisa Archibald, at larchiba at uwo.ca. That's L-A-R-C-H-I-B-A at uwo.ca. You can listen to our podcast on all of the major podcast servers. If you liked this episode, be sure to give it a thumbs up on your platform and share it through your social media and other channels.